Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey, where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. What if I told you that a lot of the pain and difficulty and adversity you're experiencing is simply God aligning your now so you can be prepared for your tomorrow? Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get On Course. My brother told me the Bible contradicts itself, and so the Bible, when you read it, it tends to, if you, it, it speaks from perspectives. You can look at a, a globe, and if you sit and look at the globe and it's turned to the continent of Africa, there's certain continents you won't see on the other side of the globe, but if you spin the globe, and you spin the globe, the, the, the perspective changes, and you can see different continents just from your perspective. Sometimes when you read the Bible, um, stories are told from different perspectives, and it seems to contradict, but if one person is seeing it from this side, the other person has seen it from that side. The spirit of truth cannot make them lie. So they, will, they can only say what they see. You got it? And so you have to take things together to see what the Bible is meaning. And so I, was, I, was, I got up to do this offering, and it was a very interesting thing, uh, dealing with the, the, the topic of giving. Many people in this church, in the churches like this, they don't give. They stop giving. 3%, 3, 3 to 30% of people in church give. And I know you already took the offering so that you can be at ease. We're not taking another one. You just, you just exhaled. You're like, oh, God. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever been in a church that played money games? How many of you have ever seen money games in church? How many of you have ever read about it? Now, let me ask you a question. I, I, you don't have to hurt my feelings. I mean, I'd be good if, if I don't care what you say. Tell the truth. Have we ever played money games with you? Huh? Let me tell you why. Because there is a system in the Lord that works, whether, whether you, you, you work it or not, it works. And the biggest problem that you've been experiencing is that you think that money is stopping you from doing what you're supposed to do. And so, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to start this lesson, and I'm going somewhere with this. My goal today is to talk to you about transition. So far in the series, I've said a lot of things to you. Transition is about your going out. It's about, it's about going from one place to the next. But what I have, we want to put in your heart, and I want this to help you. Remember, I, I mentioned to you that there are three things I need to be, I need to be concerned about in transition. Number one, when I'm transitioning, I, I, need to, I need to be able to surrender to God. What it means is I need to be able to say to God, God, um, I'm not in control. Your kingdom comes first. And so whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do that. If you're transitioning in any way and you don't, you're not able to say to God your kingdom comes first, you're going to find yourself in a world of hurt. You have to relinquish it to God. You have to trust God and say your kingdom. Everybody say kingdom comes first. So, so in my transition, I surrender to God. But number two, I have to seek the wisdom of God because I have options and every option is not created equally. I have to know which door is mine. And so I have to ask God, God, give me wisdom. In James chapter 1 and verse 5, the Bible says, speaking to a group of people who were experiencing the worst of times, they, they, were, they were involved in a thing called the diaspora. Diaspora means that they were scattered throughout the earth, the Jews were. And James is writing to them, and he's telling them in verse 5, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. If you don't know what to do, just ask God. He will give to you, he will respond to you without fault finding. He won't ask you, you mean you don't know? No, God's going to respond to you without finding fault. And then the, so number one, I, I surrender to God. Number two, I, I seek his wisdom. But number three, I have to submit to the Holy Spirit. I have to submit to the Holy Spirit. Now you say, Pastor, that's the hardest part. It kind of is, and here's why. Because many people can't tell the difference between their own heart and the Holy Spirit's voice. So let me help you out. In, in Galatians chapter 5, the Bible says, 
that the spirit wars against the flesh so that I can't do what I want to do. So what I, the entities involved in my decision making and my moving forward is the Holy Spirit, my old nature in me. My old nature is going to be pulling on me to do the thing that's comfortable, the thing that's, that's natural, the thing that's visible. But the Holy Spirit is going to be pulling on me to obey God, to trust God, to move with God. And I'm in the middle having to choose one. Ready for this? It's going to blow your mind. 90% of the time, the thing the Holy Spirit tells you to do is not the thing you would have normally done. So I surrender to God first. I seek the wisdom of God too. Then number three, I submit to the Holy Spirit. I go with the thing that's God, but it's not comfortable. See, I'm going to tell you what's happening with you right now Why I'm here today. I came today to talk to you about the fact that you prefer comfort over risk. But risk is your way forward. Every time God has put before you an open door, you, you chose comfort over taking the risk because you didn't know what was behind the door. And God is calling you today to take the risk. We ain't done yet. But here's your problem. Your problem is you don't understand how this thing works. So I'm going to take you this... I will take you the scenic route today to help you. On the screen for me, put 2 Peter chapter, three, chapter 1 and verse 3. Most people do not know what the most valuable thing in the kingdom of God is. So whenever God gives you money, you're funny about your money. Truth is, you've never been good with money. Truth is, you came from a background where the people you, you were raised by struggled concerning money. Money was always the issue. Whenever you got it, you spent more of it. You have, it's not that you say, Pastor, I just can't afford to. It's not that you can't afford to. Let's be honest. We make bills. You have a relationship with Mr. Bill. And it seems like I go to work and it takes me two weeks to make it and five minutes to spend it. Because I'm working for money that's already spent. No, no, no. You, you don't act like you say, well, I don't want anybody to know. No, no, it's not just you. It's all of us. So you're free to, you, you're free to say, oh, yeah, Pastor. Anybody can testify. Yeah, you see the testimonies are coming in from everywhere. Okay. So let me help you out. So here's the crazy part about this. And whenever we talk about money, you get real uncomfortable. So, so um, I was posting this morning on, on Instagram about, I was just kind of documenting my flight, you know, flying to Montgomery and flying back. And um, on Saturdays, we drive to Atlanta, but on Sundays, we use the helicopter. So people say, you go to that church, and they got a helicopter. Let me show you what's crazy. There's a couple of things that needs to bless your life. Number one, we bought a $650,000 helicopter for 200 and something thousand dollars. That's number one. Number two, it's paid for. But here's the crazy part. We weren't looking for a helicopter. When we bought the helicopter, we were really looking for a time machine. We were looking for something that I could walk into in my house, push a button, and pop out in Montgomery. But we looked everywhere and they hadn't made it yet. But when God gave us an assignment, I'm going to tell you about when God will call you to do things that you don't have the money to do. God, listen, so what happened to us now, God calls us to start a church in Montgomery. It was the law, it was prophesied, it was verified. We get ready to go to Montgomery, we call everybody, what do we do? I start putting people down there, and people say, no, we want you, so I had to go. We were spending $10,000 a month to preach to 25 people. It didn't make sense. By the time the year was, by the time we stopped, we had spent $120,000 and the congregation only grew up to 60. I kept asking God, what are you doing? This, does, this, not, this doesn't make sense. It's not reasonable to do this. So we started asking around. They said, you need a helicopter. So we, we went and looked in the helicopter. We brought down from Detroit, I think somewhere or in Michigan, north of Detroit. Started flying the helicopter. And here's what we started to see. 60 became 100, became 2, 
became four, became eight, became 1,600, became 3,200 people just like that. There are people who died in that congregation and went to heaven because God invested. And my thing to God was, why would you spend $10,000 a month for 25 people? And God's thing is, you put too much value on money. So I used to ask the congregation all the time. Some of you remember, I used to ask you, how much would you pay to get one of your family members saved? Remember that question? So let's, let's try that today. If you could spare a million dollars, to make sure that your mom or dad get to heaven. How many of you would spend it? Okay, let's ask look at that mom and dad close to you. If you have some cousins that you like sometimes, but you could spend, if, if you could spend $5 million and you know spend that money will guarantee that they will hear what, how many of you would spend it? If you, okay, you, if you could spend $10 million, $10 million just for one of your children to be saved, how many of you would spend it? But, we, but we're not talking about $10 million, and we're not talking about just one person. We're talking about so many people, but people say, I don't, I never, you give your money, I'm, I'm about to help you with this today. Money is not the most valuable thing in your life, and it's not the most valuable thing in the kingdom. Watch this. By his divine power, God has given us, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received What's that word? It says, so God has given us everything we need. So you have everything you need for living a godly life. Right now, you have everything you need. Say, say right now, I have everything I need for living a godly life. Here's what it says. It says, it says um, we have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself, not by means of our goodness or qualification, but by means of his virtue, or, or, or what this says is marvelous glory. And excellence. That's, that means, let me, let me paraphrase it for you. He didn't call you based on what you did. He called you based on what he finished for you. Your calling is not based on how much you, you qualified or how good you were. He didn't come looking for the best of the best. What he did, he came looking for people who would believe what he said. Look at the next verse. It said this. It says, and because of his glory and excellence, because of what he did, not because of what you did, he has given us great and precious what? Now watch this now. The word, the word great is the word megas. Megas in, in the Greek is a word that we, we uh, kind of borrow, we transliterate it into English, and it means anything that's big. When you have a mega church, you think of a lot of people, a big building, a mega church. Watch this. So he, it's megas, but what's blessing me about this is he uses the word precious, which means valuable. So the promises of God are not just some little blip on a radar. They're huge and they're valuable. The Bible says that he has given us these great and valuable promises. These are the promises that enable you. The promises, and watch this now, you say, Pastor, I just can't. No, no, you can't on your own. But what God has given you, when God calls you to do something, when God wants to push you forward, use you for something, what he does, he does not come looking for the brightest and the best. He comes looking for people who can believe his promise so that the promise that he gave you can enable you. Say this out loud with me. Say, the promises of God to me enable me. Now, here's what it says. It enables you to share his divine nature. What does it mean? In, in, God's, in, in, in the nature of God, there's no impossibility. In the, nature, in the nature of God, there's no such thing as cannot. In the nature of God, there's nothing in the earth that can stop God from doing what he wants to do. 
And the Bible says he, watch this now, he hasn't made you like that yet because time is still going along. At the end of time, we will be glorified, we'll be just like him. He said, but he gave us something that if we connect to these things, they will cause us to, to join him and watch this now, partake or partner with him in his divine nature. We'll share with him. And we'll escape the corruption caused by human desires. Look at verse 5. Everybody read the first sentence out loud. Ready? The first sentence out loud. In view of all this... Watch this now. He said that the issue here right now in your life is nothing but, he, remember now, he's giving you everything that pertains to life and godliness. In other words, everything you need to live a godly life. He said the issue right now is promises. What you're, whether you're winning or losing has to do with how you respond to God's promises. How you respond to God's promises. And so I want, I want to share something, and this is going to help you now. That the, way you, the way you handle your money or resources is called stewardship. A steward is someone that manages the, the resources or the wealth of another. The, the, there's a Latin word, the word is stigward. Stig means hallway, house, or home. Um, ward means overseer. I oversee the hallway, the house, or the home of someone else. I'm a steward when what I have, watch this now, is not owned, it's loaned. I'm a steward, and so what God does with us, watch this now, I'm going to show you how this works, and I'm going to tell you what, where you're messed up. We're messed up because we say, well, I just, I just can't afford it, and the enemy has got you in a position where you can't move forward. You have visions and dreams that you can't fulfill. You know why you don't have the money and you never will? I'm going to tell you why. Because you treat money like it's God. Money is an excellent servant. It's a terrible God. Here's the, I'm about to show you what I'm talking about. So here's the position you're in. The position you're in is that all you have belongs to God. And here's what God says. God says, I'm, I'm going to give you my stuff. Here's how God worked it out. God says, I'm going to give you my stuff. It's mine. He says, what I'm going to do is in the 100% I give you, 10% of it is, is important. Because 10% of it belongs to me. I'm sharing it with you. He says, what you do, you bring the 10% back to me, and when you give it to me, it activates the 90%. The problem is you're trying to function with 100%. You say, well, I got to do, I can't afford to give God what's here because I got to do all this. Well, Mr. Bill will never be paid if you keep using 100% because 10% of it is only designed for destruction. In the Old Testament, they literally threw it away. And God said, if you throw it away, you're saying that 90%, is activated by your obedience to me. I'm going to say it again. So what, here's what happens to you. God gives you 100%. And he says to you, I promise you, if you give me 10% of it, I'm going to activate the 90% of it. But you don't believe the promise of God. You're not responding to the promise of God. You're not acting like a steward. You're not acting like it's loaned. You're acting like it's owned. Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Pick up the new release from Stellar Award nominees Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir titled True Story, featuring the lead single, It Is So. Pick up the chart-topping release from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir titled True Story, in stores now and available at all digital outlets. Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer. 
prayer at first was a struggle because you know it, it really takes faith to pray you have to you have to trust that God is like a person he's a real person and that he's the one that invented the concept of prayer in this book you'll learn how to ensure your relationship with God is based on a new and improved covenant which dangerous prayer habits to avoid and what to do when prayer doesn't yield the answers you want it's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about him yes. pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Wait, we ain't done. So I want to share this with you. It's going to help you. As a result of this, we're struggling. So when I was a kid, I told a story years ago, and I got to help you out with this. So as a kid, I grew up in the Virgin Islands. I love the islands. Give me a minute. Just the thought of being next to the ocean blesses me in the coldest sack of my sanctified soul. Let me tell you something. So, so my father in, in the islands, like every other native Virgin Islander, our houses did not have city-connected water back in the day. It, they do now, some don't. But back in the day, we got our water from a cistern. And the way it would work, how many of you have ever heard of a cistern? How many of you have never heard of a cistern? How many of you don't even know what I'm talking about? My accent is getting away. Okay, what about it? How many of you heard of a well? Okay, a, a cistern is like a well, but it's a man-made well attached to your house. And so the way it was set up, there's a water-catching uh, receptacle where when it would rain, and it rained a lot in the islands, the water would go out into this concrete basement. That's what it was. And hooked up to the basement were these, um, these uh, pipes, and the pipes ran through the house like regular plumbing, like bathrooms, um, sinks, or whatever. But attached to it was a pump. The pump's job was to pump the water out of the cistern into the pipes so you could use it just like running water. But the thing about the cistern was this. The pump that ran the cistern, um, my, when he, my father taught us how to run it. He took his boys downstairs. He said, now I'll tell you what's going to happen. He said, sometimes the power will go out. And when the power will go out, he said, the pump will go off. He said, to get the pump working again, here's what he said. He, he gave us a, a, a gallon jug of water. He said, this jug of water is called primer. He actually wrote primer on it with, with, uh, with ink. And so he said, here's what you do. He said, when you flip the pump back on, because it's going to cut off when the power goes, when you flip the, the power back on, he, you, he said, this, you pour water into the valve, and, he said, and what, he said, the pump is sucking. But the problem is it won't be able to suck the water out of the cistern. It, it needs water to suck water. So what we would do is when dad wasn't home, he will call and say, hey, uh, the power went out, um, I need you to go prime the pump. Every one of his boys knew to go downstairs, flip the switch, get the primer, and pour it in, pour it in, the pump goes, boom, and it comes on, water comes running through the house. And then, here's the last thing, you go and you refill the primer bottle so that anybody that comes to prime the pump will have something to, watch this now. So a man... And in in, in here's my a narrative I want to tell you. A man has walked through the desert for days. He's walked three days, no water. He's parched, he's thirsty, and he comes upon a pump in the desert. And he comes up to it, and there's a sign that says, this water, pointing to the, the uh, 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 receptacle of water, is for priming this pump. The pump works. If you prime the pump, it will pull water from the cistern. But the man had walked for three days. And he walked and he looked at this guy of water. He goes, you know what? 
ain't trying to prime no pump. I need water now. And there's a little voice that said, but you got to prime the pump if you want water for days. And he's like, it'd be good to have water for days, but I need water now. So you know what he does? He turns, he opens the bottle, turns the jug up to his head and drinks it all. And he sits and lays up next to the pump and goes, oh man, thank you, God. I knew you'd come through for me. 24 hours later, he's thirsty again. Problem is, he drunk the primer. Now he starts prophesying to the pump. I command you in Jesus. The pump ain't studying him. Because no matter how much you talk to the pump, the pump needs to be primed. About to help you. Every time God put money in your hand, every time God give you a little bit of extra change, you say, instead of priming the pump, listen, what's in the well, what's in the cistern are the promises of God. Great and valuable promises. Promises that exceed your capability. Promises that enable you. Promises that strengthen you. Promises that cause you to share in God's nature. But you know what you do? You don't marry money to destiny. You think they're two separate things. So you keep, every time God gives you seed for harvest, you eat it like it's bread. The Bible said God gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Here's the crazy thing. If you are a sower, God will give you seed to sow and bread to eat. But if you're just an eater, God will only give you bread. He'll never give you seed. I'm, about, I'm helping you. I'm helping you. Now, let me show you this. So here's the thing. Um, so based on 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through where we're at 5, the promises of God are the most valuable resources that are steward, that we as stewards have, the promises of God. And how, now watch this. That God has promises in every area. There's 7,000 of them. But I want to show you something. Put Luke chapter 16, verse 10 on the screen. I want to help you. Luke chapter 16 and verse 10. And this is just the first part. I'm almost, I ain't going to be long. I promise you, I'm going hard. We're going to go fast. That's what it says. If you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. So watch this now. So you can't understand why it is all, any job you get, it seems like I'm never making enough. I'm, I'm working for minimum wage. I don't under, you know what it is? God is trying to get you started on a system with little things. Everybody say little things. In the world system, the world has a system. The world system for finances is beg, borrow, or steal. The problem with beg, borrowing, and stealing is when you beg, you tend to lose dignity. When you borrow, you have to pay it back with, with interest. And when you steal, you're going to jail. So all of the world's, every plan in the world system has something against you. If I beg, I may lose dignity. If, if I borrow, I have to pay it back with, with interest. And if I steal, I can get caught and go to jail. So God's plan, his financial plan, is tithe and offering. What he says to you is, I'm going to put my tenth in your income. You bring the tenth back to me, worship with it. And when you do that, I'll activate the 90%. And he said, and after you get flowing in that overflow, what you do is you, begin, you take another piece out of the 90% and you offer it to me. It's called an offering. That's the way it works. And what happens is you say, well, I just can't afford to do that. And, and, and you're messing up your life. I'm going to show you this. Because when the Bible speaks, you know, now this is crazy. What do you think Jesus is talking about here? What if I told you he's talking about money? I'm going to prove it. Here's what he said. Look at verse 11. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, 
Who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? Well, wait a minute. We know what worldly wealth is, but what are the true riches of heaven? The promises of God. The, the promises of God are the true riches of heaven. God can enrich you by making a promise to you. Do you know Abraham did nothing for God to, to approve and choose him? Abraham did nothing. The Bible says that God appeared to Abraham and said, leave, leave over the Chaldee and follow me. And the Bible says as he went, as he progressively went, he became very rich. Now, it doesn't mean every believer is going to be rich, but God can enrich you. There's an enriching that you need right now, and it's not always money. Some of you right now need an enrichment in health. You need an enrichment in your self-image. You need an enrichment in, 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 in the deliverance from guilt and shame. You, right now, you just need a job. I'm going to show you something. He says, if you can't be trusted with money to do the right thing with money, with your minimum wage, God, who's going to trust you with heaven's riches? Look at the next verse. It says this. And if you, are if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with your own things? You know what gets God? God said, I will take you and plop you down in a vision that's functioning. Why? I want to show you how vision works. You get in there, you try to tell people how to do stuff that you don't know how to do. God said, I can't trust you to be in another person's vision. How can I give you your own? If the whole thing is about sowing, the whole thing is about promises, the whole thing is about God ordering your life. How many of you with me? I'm going as fast as I can without letting my accent get in the way. Y'all work with me. Look at the next verse. And then Jesus, Jesus culminates by saying, no man can serve two masters. Finish the verse with me. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot... If the enemy gets you to the place where you're serving money, he understands, watch this now, that he could cut you off from God. Because once you're serving money, your boss can tell you, I need you to work Sunday and Wednesday. The enemy finds out when your prayer schedule is, and, and he says, oh, you're praying Tuesday nights? Well, he, you, you show up on the, on the work roster for Tuesday night. You know why? Because that's the way it works. You're serving money, not God. And so what God says, he says, what I need you to do is put money in this place. It's a great servant, but I'm your God. And the way I connect you to the things I want you to have is through my promises. Did this help anybody yet? I'm going to show you now why this is critical. In studying transition, we found that there are four enemies of the transitioning heart. When a person is in transition, there are four enemies that will come knocking. The first one is, is an enemy that has lived within you for years. I want to define something for you. Um, people say, I got haters. <laughs> yes, yeah. You may have haters, but not, very few people have enemies. An enemy is one that seeks, that seeks to harm, resist, or block you from making progress in the thing that you're trying to accomplish. If you're not trying to accomplish anything, if you're just sitting back and chilling and just living your life, you may have haters, but you don't have enemies. A hater is just a person that don't like you for whatever reason, but an enemy blocks you. The four enemies that will come against you when you're transitioning is the enemy of insecurity, number one, the enemy of fear, number two, the enemy of selfishness, number three, and the enemy of dishonor, number four. The enemy of insecurity, enemy of fear, Enemy of selfishness, enemy of dishonor. The enemy of insecurity, enemy of, the enemy of, and the enemy of, these four enemies. The, why, why we start with insecurity is because this is the one enemy that has been with you for a while. Waiting for you to try something significant 
so he could pop up and remind you who you're not. Fear is based upon surroundings. I'm afraid because I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I can't see the future, so I'm afraid. Selfishness is me trying to grab as much as I can for me alone, not considering others. Dishonor is me thinking that if I leave something, i got to kill it. Dishonor is something that God judges quickly because here's the thing. You can't benefit from anything you dishonor. Isn't it crazy you left, because you left the wrong way, won't even, nobody even write you a letter of reference? It's not the will of, will of God. Not, we're going to talk about that, and we're going to put it in perspective, and you, we're going to get right on that, and God's going to bless us. But insecurity is what we're dealing with right now, and i got about 15 minutes to do it. Here's how this works. So in the book of Numbers chapter uh, 13 and verse 1, Moses tells the story in the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers gets its name from the fact that God told Moses to number Israel when they left Egypt. When they left Mount Sinai, they numbered all the people, the soldiers, the men, the women, children. They numbered everything. The book is called Numbers. In the book of Numbers, Moses tells a story of, of how the spies were sent out from one angle. But the angle that you're going to see here will seem to contradict the true story. I'm going to show you the true story in a minute. You think it was God's idea to send spies? It wasn't. It was because the people did not value the promise of God. I'm going to show you today in your life that God has made promises to you. And because you want God to do your way and not his way, you've tied his hand. We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching courtesy of On Course with Heart Ramsey. We invite you to join the NCC family for our weekly services in Dothan and Montgomery, Alabama and Atlanta, Georgia. For service times and locations, visit our website, nccfamily.org. Again, nccfamily.org. We invite you to follow Pastor Hart Ramsey on social media, on Twitter at Hart Ramsey, on Facebook at Hart Ramsey Media, and on Instagram at Hart Ramsey. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to dive into God's Word as we get on course with Hart Ramsey.